Welcome to Above and Below, a Salt Life podcast, where we're going to be exploring above and below the surface. We'll take in a deep dive into the world of fishing, diving, and surfing. Every week, we're going to sit down with experts to learn more about them and get their freshest, hottest takes on all things salty. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Above and Below, a Salt Life podcast. I am your host, Keenan Anderson, and we have Campbell Carter on with us right now. Campbell, what's up, dude? Nothing much. I'm just, you know, living life, going to ISAs, having fun. I love it, dude. You sound like a little frother. Where are you from, dude? I've never talked to you. I'm from Wilmington, North Carolina, so East Coast. Love it here. I get all the conditions for paddle racing. So, I mean, I surf, I paddle, I foil. I try and do everything on the water out here. And the water gets warm there, so it's kind of nice too, right? Oh, you yeah. get to like drink it and paddle. And yes. Have you ever paddled in super cold water? Yes. I mean, during the winter, it gets pretty cold here. So, I mean, sometimes when you're paddling out in the ocean, you're in like four, three booties, hood, just messing around in the surf. But I mean, some days when it's like, you know, the air's like 20 something and the water's like 50s to 40s, you're like, you're like, mm, should I really go? <laughs> yeah. All right, dude. So let's start it off. Give us a little overview on yourself. Obviously, you let us know where you're from. Um, but how did you get into paddling and how did you uh, end up, you know, just your love for the ocean overall? So I started paddling around when I was eight years old. Um, my dad was doing it. He found it when I was about five years old. And then I picked it up around, like I said, eight years old. And I was kind of afraid of it at first, the water and everything, which is kind of crazy now that I love it. But um, I just started paddling more and more and they started bringing me to races and I started meeting people. And then I've kind of grown up paddling and it's it introduced me to a bunch of other water sports too. So around 12 years old, I think I started racing. I did one of my first races and I did pretty well and I was hooked. I was like, after that, I just started training more. I started paddling more. I started spending more time on the water and just getting better. <laughs> Dude, that's so epic. So since since you your dad grew up paddling and you kind of got introduced to that, obviously you surf and stuff too, right? I mean, that's probably just a part of the neck of the woods to be able to surf and paddle and do all those fun things. So um, did you grow up surfing more before you started paddling or vice versa or how did that go? It was actually paddling first, which is kind of crazy. I feel like everyone started off surfing and then went to paddling, but I started off paddling and then I, you know, I started going in the ocean more. And then my one coach, um, Jared Covington, I started paddling around when I was literally eight years old with him, um, started to push me more to surf a little bit more, but um, he's a really good surfer and he was like, you'll love it. So I started surfing, I would say like three years ago. Um, I finally was just like, I need the, I need to do this. And I'm absolutely addicted to surfing as well. <laughs> I love it. That's amazing. Would you say that surfing has impacted in a, in a positive way of cross training towards paddling as well? Like obviously surfing your paddling and stuff, do you utilize surfing as a tool to improve your paddling? Oh, 100%. So what I do is tech racing, technical racing, which is out through the surf. Like, that's what I love. I love punching out through the waves and surfing the waves in. Um, the bigger the waves, the more fun it is. So if you get like a head high wave during a race, it's a lot more fun. It adds a technical aspect. So 
um, knowing how to surf and knowing how to, you know, actually work a wave on a 14 foot race board helps a lot. So having the surfing background now, cause I don't like, I, I shortboard, I longboard, I sup surf. I try and do as much as I can in the water. Um, but knowing how a wave, how to work a wave helps a lot. I guess all, all that has to do or all that training too has to really, really help you out with like training to qualify for the team USA for the ISA, right? I mean, all that combined training is so good. And like you were just saying, like maybe some guys, even in the technical racing, don't really get big enough waves to realize like how to surf those bigger waves or what to do in those bigger waves. So that cross training really is impressive to have in your arsenal of tools and on your resume, because then you're going to be one step ahead of other people. Right. Is that, would that be correct for like battle racing? Yes. So like say some people that come from kind of flat water areas, they're learning at these technical races that are in the ocean because they don't get the train in the ocean as much for me. I could, we could have a swell roll through and I'll be like, all right, I need the be practicing tech in these bigger waves. Like we got our hurricane swells like a month ago and I was bringing the race board out in that. So I could, you know, they're overhead waves and on the East coast, as soon as you get something that's a little, a little bit bigger, it starts the barrel a little bit. So on a 14 foot race board, it really pushes the limits for paddling. Yeah. Dude, that's epic. I love that. That's such a good mindset to have too, to be able to like, you know, the waves get bigger or whatever. If I see big waves, I'm like, all right, dude, I'm going to grab a bigger board and start surfing. But you're like, let's get out yeah. there on the paddleboard and start <laughs> trying to make it work, dude. But um, how was training and preparing for Team USA for the ISA Worlds? So it it's a grind. It's definitely a couple months of dedicated work. Uh, I mean, you could even say a year of preparation, but it truly is a um, like, I mean, you qualify in June um, at the qualifying um, race in Oceanside, California. You qualify there. And then from there on out, basically everything is directed towards ISA Worlds. So the entire summer, you're essentially training and getting ready. So it's it's six to seven days a week on the water. I mean, I absolutely love it. Being able to spend almost every day on the water on a board is the best thing in the world. So it's definitely a couple months of straight grinding, training every day, two a days, being on the water, going to the gym, just putting all your focus on getting ready for this competition. With the USA team and what you're doing, how many people can qualify? How many people tried to qualify? So for men's tech it's two people for distance it's two people and then for men's sprint it's one person so that's that's five right there and then you have the same for the women so that's 10 and then you can have two sub surfers so stand-up surfers can qualify so it's a team of 12 in this year where you're missing a couple people just because they have been traveling all year and they have families and everything so they have to be at home during this time um but you can have a team of 12 and everyone there's like essentially two people per event. Are there a lot of people that went and tried to qualify to make the team when you guys were in Oceanside? Yeah, there there's a good group of people. It's kind of like there's a main group of people that really want to qualify and go to worlds. Um, but there's a, there's a good amount of people that come out and try and qualify and, you know, 
make it on that team. Cause I mean, when you make it on the team, you're like, oh, I get to go here in a couple months. And you're like, yeah, no, that's rad. I, I feel like every sport, every like water sports kind of growing a lot too. So to like see that outcome of people on the beach and stuff is so cool. Um, I would, I talked to Connor Baxter about it, just like all the paddling stuff. And like, he gets so frothed up on it and I get frothed up on it too. And I just talked to him about like the up and coming Groms and like, you're one of those guys that's like, you know, the new guy that's going to be hopefully a world champion one day. And like, to me, that's so cool to be able to talk to you and like get frothed up and stuff. It's so rad, but, um, yeah, dude, it's such a cool process. What, what kind of requirements do they have for the USA team and making the team? So to make the team, I mean, it's a, it's a race. You have to place in the, for men's tech, you have to get first or second in the race. And then if you want to qualify for juniors, you had to get first out of the juniors in that tech race. So they run all like the men and boys at the same time and kind of where you place is what you qualify for, for like, so like this year I got my first national title. I won, I got first. So I qualified for men's and junior tech. So I was super stoked on that. I was like, I was absolutely frothing about it. I was so happy because I was like, oh, I get to go to France. I get the, I get to compete again. I get to compete in these races. And then since Connor wasn't going this year, I got the chance to do sprints. So I had three races I was able to do. I was so stoked. Dude, that's so sick. I love that. Did you have any, did you have any events where you had like some bad results or any hardships that you had to, to face during the season going up to qualifying stuff? I mean, not really. I had pretty good races throughout. Like um, I went to Hood River, Oregon for the um, SSC Gorge Paddle Challenge. That's always a super fun race. I think I got fifth in that race, which was pretty good. I mean, it was pretty stacked. Connor was there. Um, Itzel Degata was there and Bodie Von Allman. There's there's a couple names that um, that are pretty fast there. And then besides that, I have a funny story about kind of more local race I went to. It's a it's a pretty big race. It's called Low Country Boil. It's down in South Carolina. And um, I brought the wrong paddle and it was like a bigger blade. And I don't I don't even know how I did it, but um, I was also using a prototype board that I never used before. And I was like, I was like, all right, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> and I just destroyed my shoulders with the blade because it was way too big for me. And I, I don't even know why I have the paddle. Um, but I usually use a small blade and it was a medium blade. And by the end of the race, I was like, I was like, all right, I'm done. I did, did not you win? play swell. I was like, no, ah. I was nowhere close. I was like, I was like, I held on to them for a while. And then I was just like, my shoulders like blew up. And I was like, I was like, ah, oh, okay. But that was about the only one. And then after that, it was like two weeks until I says, and I was like, ah, oh, I'm ready. If I can handle the medium blade for eight miles i can i can be able to do three miles in the ocean with my actual paddle <laughs> yeah dude that's that's such a good like memory to have though because it just makes you realize like always check my equipment make sure everything's good dude i do the same thing if i'm going to surf big waves like when i used to go surf big waves i grab my big boards and not check all my equipment and i remember one time my pole vest didn't i always check it before the season starts to make sure it inflates and stays inflated overnight but this one didn't inflate and I went to go pull it on a big swell and it didn't pull. And I was like, oh my gosh, dude, that was so scary. Luckily, we train to hold our breath and stuff. But it just goes to show, always check your equipment, That's right? insane, yeah. So what, to you, what is the most rewarding part of what you do? That's a hard question for me because like, 
I just love the whole experience. Like the most rewarding part is, I mean, obviously you get the the titles and you get to be like, hey, if whenever I be hopefully become world champion at some point, um, I'll be able to be like, hey, I'm world champion. I completed one of my goals in life. But I think it's the fact that I can um, honestly make a career out of this and have like this insane life of being on the water if I keep doing super well. Um, I can keep this going and keep having fun. How do you like juggle the emotions of like the highs and the lows of being straight up on top to where Campbell Carter wins the event? He is number one right now. And then you have a bad result, you know, because that happens as an athlete. And like, that's a legit question to ask somebody because I feel like, you know, you, you get to that high and then you drop down and then you have to come back from that, that low spot. So it's, I mean, it's pretty hard. Um, I work my my mental game a lot. Um, so even if I do have a bad result, I try and look at the positive side of it um, and see what I can improve from. Like um, a great example was ISAs this year for my junior event. So I had probably one of the best starts ever. Um, I was so out in front of everyone. Uh, my emotions were pumping. My adrenaline was pumping. And then I fell at the first buoy and uh, two kids caught me and just got a wave in front of me. So I went from first to like second and third really quick. And I ended up getting fourth in the event because I just kept dropping back and making mistakes because I I don't even know what. I was just something was off. Um, I still meddled and I'm still fourth in the world for that. But um, essentially going from number one and thinking you're going to get number one in an event and then going to fourth, um, it just destroys you mentally a little bit. But you have to come back and be like, hey, I know I can compete and I know I can um, train even harder and I can get first next time I race this event. You don't always want to think about next time, but you know you can train harder now. You know what you need to fix. So that's kind of what keeps me um, motivated even from you know losing. Um or not doing the best is that I know if I train harder, I will do 10 times better the next time I race. Um, and winning, obviously you're, you're up on top. You, you're like, okay, everything's going right, but that still makes you want to train harder so you can push it even further. Yeah. That's such a good mindset to have. I think it's really important to always in my, my personal like headspace is like, if you do bad in an event, make sure you think like, okay, what could I have done better? And you jot, jot that down and write it down. But also the next event, what are you going to do better to succeed? What are you going to do better in the future? Because we can't keep living in the past. What are you going to do right now at the present life? And what are you going to do at the next event? So it's good to be able to think about that stuff and and write that stuff down. Dude, how do you feel competing on uh, Team USA? It feels amazing. It's, I mean, you know, growing up doing water sports, you're just like, you're like, I want to be on Team USA for something. And um, growing up paddling, it it feels amazing to be able to compete for your country and be able to go and represent it in, uh, I mean, around the world. It's probably one of the coolest feelings, in my opinion. 29 countries, over 200 racers, right? That's insane, dude. And to think that out of the United States, you're one of two for what you do for your special craft. That is crazy. It's a crazy feeling to have because I, I was thinking about that even in France. I was like, hey, 
there's there's two of us here that qualified to be able to compete and represent our country. So it, it's great, especially at 18. <laughs> oh, yeah, 100%. This is the best like experience you could have in your whole entire life. I always look back on like early, early day travels and how much I learned. And it's not just about the sport. And I know that the career path of surfing or what you're doing and stuff, it's the best career in the world. You get to travel around and go experience these places. But what are you going to like learn from those traditions and the cultures and going and traveling and stuff and bringing back to the US and sharing it with your friends and just having the street smarts? And ultimately, you're in school right now, dude. Like you're, you're like in college traveling the world, you know? It's so cool. So how how was France? Was it pretty nuts? Like how were the conditions there? Oh, it was it was so sick. So where we were at, um, it's like it's like a little cove. Um, and then on the southern point of the cove is where the actual surf comp was held. So it's like kind of more of a reef break. There's rocks on the bottom, and I mean the way the swells would come in, it would come in straight at that point and it would just rip through. It was it was some really good waves that were pumping there for the surf comp. And then where we raced, they would come in um, more of like super long closeout waves um, just because the beach was super flat up until the um, the surf spot. So, I mean, we had probably like um, like head high sets coming through for our race day um, for men's tech and junior tech, I'm pretty sure. So there's some pictures of me and there's like little double ups behind me and they're just like a little bit above my head, just dumping behind me. But um, I'm going to send Salt Life some of the pictures, but um, it's, I mean, it's beautiful. It's these little lines. And I mean, it's just like, it's like five waves behind each other, just rolling in. Oh, sick. And then the craziest thing is way out back, there's this wave called nukes where it gets really shallow there. Like the lifeguards are calling it nukes and it's this 15 foot wave that's like a mile out in the ocean. So it might be breaking, you know, like four feet on the beach, but you're looking out back and it's like this 15 foot monster just dumping. And we were trying Breaks to off of the reef. Yeah. Yeah. It's like this little rock reef that's just shallow out there. And we were trying to convince the lifeguards to tow us out there because they were um, talking to one of the other Team USA people and they were like, they were like, yeah, you have to either get towed in or um, I guess you could paddle it because it's such a fast wave because it's like, it's like nothing, nothing, nothing. And then boom, it just walls up and dumps right on this little reef and then it rolls on past. That's sick. <laughs> I love those. That's rad. Where in France were you? It Okay, I'm going to butcher the name, but it's La Sables de Lone. So it's kind of Southern France. Um, it's an hour away from Nantes. So if you drove to the coast from Nantes, it's there. <laughs> so you went to France this year. What? Where is next year going to be? So next year is Denmark. Um, it's in Copenhagen. So that's going to be super fun. I have some friends that um, I'm pre- that live in Denmark. Um, one's Christian Anderson. He's super good paddler. Um, and then... I don't know if you know Casper Steinfath. Um, he's from, I'm pretty sure, cold Hawaii, but um, that little area in Denmark. Um, so Copenhagen next year, which is going to be sick. Um, and I don't know where it's going to be in 2024, but I'm rooting for somewhere cool like Fiji or Tahiti or something like that. I want them yes. to start pushing those again. <laughs> and then you can start surfing over there too. So what what events are you going to be competing in in Denmark? 
So probably the same as this year, unless Connor comes. So probably um, compete in the sprints because he's sprint world champion. So he needs to keep doing those. He's, he's still faster than me. Um, but I'll do men's tech and then um, possibly sprints next year. Sick, dude. So is your goal to go to the Olympics? Oh, yeah. 100%. That's my main goal in life. 2028 Olympics. I want to be there. Um, they're supposed to be in LA. What? So like a quick six hour flight up over there and then I'll be at the the Olympics, which is insane. But I think if everything lines up, we're shooting for 2028 Olympics for paddleboarding the BN. Dude, how good is that? What do you need to do to succeed? I need to train as hard as possible. Um, I mean, after this year's, it's essentially four years, but I need to, I need to push it. I need to push my limits. Um, I definitely want to have that overall waterman background. So I need to surf more. I want to start competing in surfing more, competing in sup surfing, um, doing more paddle races, traveling the world for paddle races. Cause that's how you get faster. You race more, you go to places, you race the fast people. It's how you get fast. So just push the whole waterman kind of background and I want to be the best. I truly do. I truly want to be number one in the world. <laughs> I love it. You're such a competitive frother. It's so sick, dude. You got that. You got that passion, dude. I can feel it. I love it. It's so fun to talk to you, dude. 18 years old, frothing out, getting after it, get to experience traveling the world. It's so cool to, to link up with you, Campbell. What, um, what kind of tips and tricks do you have for beginners that are trying to get into, you know, even just any water sport it doesn't have to be paddling. I would say just just go for it. Learn, um, you know, learn what you're supposed to do in the water. Um, learn the etiquette of where you're at. Um, just be prepared for essentially anything, but go try it. Water sports is probably one of the best things in the entire world. Um, as soon as you do it, you'll be addicted. As soon as you catch that first wave surfing, you'll never want to stop. Um, I know that's me. I never want to. I always want to be surfing, but. Um, even paddling. Once you get on the board and you start paddling and you just, it's just such a great feeling being on the water. So just learn the etiquette, be prepared for being on the water because the ocean is its own, you know, thing you have to tackle, but just get out there and do it. Just do it. Just go send it and have a good time and enjoy life. Ultimately, that's the most important thing. Do you have a uh, social media, Campbell, for everybody to follow you on? Yeah, so Instagram is the main thing I use. So that's uh, Campbell underscore Carter with two underscores after that. And then my Facebook is Campbell Carter Athlete. And that that's basically my social medias. And I do have a website. Um, you can check it out on my Instagram. There should be a link. You can tap that and kind of check out everything that's going on on my website too. You're a frother, dude. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me. You too. On. Heck Yeah. Thank you, everybody, for listening in to today's podcast. We'll catch you next time. Campbell, go froth out and get psyched for the day. You're a legend. Thanks Heck for hopping yeah. on, dude. Thanks for listening in to Above and Below a Salt Life podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Real Salt Life. If you've enjoyed this episode, rate and review us on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast to help spread the word. And remember, stay salty.